to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. No slides today, so we could do what we did in the Jesus Revolution. Take out your Bibles. Okay, today's, Jenny likes me to give a title to my sermons. So I'll call this one Sound No Trumpet. That's a funny title, isn't it? As always, and I know I say this all the time, but some, some of the, what I'm going to say today will be direct from the Word of God. That comes with great authority and should speak straight to your heart. Other things I'm going to say comes from Jeremy's thoughts, and I invite you to ponder those and weigh them for yourself. Do they, are they true in themselves, and do they relate to you? Uh, somebody's told me I'm quite good at telling you the difference, but if I forget, I think you'll manage. The New King James Version of the... Oh, I should have told where we are, shouldn't I? Matthew 5, isn't it? Yep, Matthew 5, starting from the beginning. No, 6, sorry. I just wanted to make sure you're ready in context. Matthew 6. I forgot to write this, <laughs> the address of my sermon. Okay, this is from the New King James Version. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So let's unpack that a bit. Take heed. What does that mean? It means be careful. Watch out. That's what it means. And what are these things that they call charitable deeds? Which in the Greek, as is very hard for me to say, is dikaiusune. The definition of those good deeds is righteousness and justice. So, and, and, uh, and that's translated in different Bible translations as the word arms, righteousness, good deeds, and piety. And what does it mean when we say before men? Take heed, take heed that you do not you do your charitable deeds before men. Many people are confused about the meaning of this word men, and it has been used to create confusion, sometimes on purpose. So here goes. Dig in for a history lesson. In Old English, the word man was used to refer to a human without respect to sex. An adult male was a were-man, and an adult female was a whiff-man, but they were both man. Whiff, that's a, that's a word we still use, isn't it? My whiff just walked out the door, but that's where it comes from. All right, now about 1000 AD, and to those curious, I wasn't born yet, about 1000 AD, the word man also started being used. Oh, she, here's my whiff coming back again. About, about 1000 AD, the word man also started being used to mean a male. Now using man, this is a quote, using man to refer to humans without respect to gender started falling out of favour in the late 20th century due to the influence of feminism. Now, you might know this. This world was made for all men. Who, who, who sang that? Stevie Wonder sang that in 1976. And when Stevie Wonder said this world was made for all men, everybody knew that he meant all men, all women. He meant all mankind. Because in 1976, everybody still remembered that. But that was the time when feminism started to kick in and feminists said language is sexist, the Bible is sexist, and some of you older ones will remember some of the changes we had to make. When somebody was chairing a meeting, they were called the chairman. Do you remember that? And so if it was a man, we'd say, excuse me, Mr. Chairman. And if it was a woman, we'd say, excuse me, Madam Chairman. Do you remember that? Then you're showing your age because the feminist said, oh, no, that's too sexist. So now we have to call a person a chairperson to get the man out, you see, or the chair. Please address the chair. Why would I do that? But anyway, that's what you do. We're meant to speak to a chair now. 
Uh, there was this thing on the, the road that as you drive your car over, it goes clack, clack. We used to call that a manhole cover. Do you remember manhole covers? That had to be renamed as a personal ac a personnel access cover. Uh, a policeman had to be called a police officer, a fireman had to be called a firefighter, and so on. But we still were allowed to use the word mankind, and we're still allowed to use the word manslaughter. If you accidentally killed a woman, it would be called manslaughter. So the old meaning of man means all people. In your Bible, when you read it, sometimes when you read man and woman, it's used to mean exactly what you'd expect, a male and a female. But in many cases, the word man in the Bible simply means human. And if you understand that, then you'll feel less left out. Because you see, the thing was, when women used to say, hang on, what, what, what's this? We seem to be left out. No, as they used to say when we were in school, and this, you'd remember this, Lynn, wouldn't you? man embraces woman. <laughs> That's what they said, which we thought was pretty cute. But it meant that when we say man, it means men and women. So listen to this. This is straight from the book of Genesis. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them. And in that day, they were created. He called them man, the male and female. That's straight from the Bible. It's also in the Bible, as you, your Bible might say, human or mankind. Or the King James Version says he called them Adam. Why did he call them Adam? Because Adam is the word for man. That's why. Well, not, not in the, and that's not the reason. The word Adam simply means man. And man was, was what we now call men and women. So if you read in the Bible, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, which some of you have read, feminists would go, oh, so we left out again. No, you're not. That means men and women, all right? We're men and with men. If you read peace on earth to men of goodwill, that means peace on earth to men and women of goodwill. Cheer up. If you see Jesus calling himself the Son of Man, you remember that? Jesus talks of himself as the Son of Man. Well, he wasn't actually literally the Son of a Man, was he? Joseph was not his father. He was the Son of Man because through Mary, his mother, he was descended from, he was part of the human race. So Jesus was a man. And in the sense that we're talking about, Mary was a man as well. And that's how he became one. If you read in the Bible, the fear of man is a snare in Proverbs 22, 29. That means if, you're, if you've got a fear of men or women, if you've got a fear of people, that's a snare. I took a Tim's trap to youth group one time. Do you know what a Tim's trap is? I meant to bring one today, but it might have scared you. But anyway, it scared the kids. It's, it's a yellow plastic buckety thing, and the possum puts his head inside it, and <laughs> it breaks his neck or strangles him or something. So it's pretty violent. So I, I stuck this thing down, and I stuck a stick in it, and it went bang, and all the kids go, oh. So the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. And the fear of man doesn't necessarily just mean that you're sitting at home going, ooh, what if somebody comes to beat me up? It means, the fear of man, that you're worrying about people all the time. If I do this, what will he say? If I do that, what will people say? What will people think of me if I do that? That's the fear of man. As, that's the real meaning of the fear of man. It's the fear of people and their thoughts. Here comes a big statement. Brace yourself. If you're reading your Bible and you come across the word man, it usually means human. If not, it will be clear. If your Bible says mankind or people or anyone, if anyone be in Christ, then the translators have changed it a bit to try and make it more clear to modern people. But their intentions are good. So here are some examples of translations of that first verse that I just read to you. The New International Version says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
New Living says this, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. And the New American Standard Bible says, take care not to practice your righteousness in the sight of people to be noticed by them, otherwise you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So let's carry on with what Jesus said next from verse 2. So when you go to give to the needy, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by men. Let's unpack that verse a bit. Do you think that when the hypocrites used to give out these, this money to the poor, did they actually sound a trumpet? Some people said, well, maybe they did. Maybe they went out there. Do, 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 do. Russell Ford is now going to give money to the poor. Some people thought that that might have happened, so the poor will come running. Oh, goody, we're in, we're in. Other people think, other people say that the money box they used to use in those days was shaped like a cone and it was called a trumpet. So as they took it round to give money to the poor, they'd rattle the coins just to let everybody know they were there. But most people say, no, it wasn't either of those. Most scholars say, it's just like we say today. We say, hear that, don't blow your own trumpet, don't we? We don't mean a literal trumpet, it's a figure of speech. And when we say, oh, he's always blowing his own trumpet, it means he's always drawing attention to himself. There's a Māori proverb that translates as, the kumara does not praise its own sweetness. And that means the same thing. It's not really about trumpets or kumara, it's about people who try and draw attention to themselves. So in this scripture, I believe that Jesus is saying, don't draw attention to yourself, don't make a big fuss, don't make a big drama and that relates to the word hypocrite do you know what a hypocrite was well a hypocrite was an actor a stage actor a person who played a part so when you watch a movie you're watching a whole lot of hypocrites pretending to be someone else now at the meaning of the word we use it differently don't we nowadays it's like an insult but then it wasn't it was simply that you're an actor so Jesus is saying be, don't be like the actors who go out and make a great big fuss when they're giving something away look at me I'm giving all this money to the poor I couldn't find a picture of it but I've heard that in some Arab countries a big black limo goes up the road with money flying out the windows and that's the rich man showing how generous he is we're not meant to do that and he's not a Christian by the way the next sentence says this Oh, I'll, I'll go back over that one. So, uh, one. One reason why somebody said it wouldn't be a literal trumpet is because doing it in the synagogue would be pretty rude. So, so when you give to the needy, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by men. Truly, I tell you, they already have their reward. What is it? They've already got a reward. What's their reward? Do you know? Yeah, it's everybody going, oh, he's very generous, isn't he? That's their reward. That's what they wanted, and that's what they've got. But Jesus said, that's it. Don't think there'll be anything else. They've got their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Once again, this is figurative language, because if you pull out your cash flow card, you need two hands to do it. And the left hand says, what are we doing? The right hand says, I'm not allowed to tell you. No, it's not quite like that, is it? But Jesus is saying, hey, don't make a fuss. You don't need to know. You don't need to even think much about it yourself. Just do what you have to do and don't make a fuss. Don't let it take over your day. Wasn't I good today? I paid for somebody's whatever, you know. So that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So really, we make a choice, don't we? didn't seem to occur to Jesus that some meanies might not give to the poor at all, but he says when you do it, 
There's two ways you can do it. One is to make a big fuss and get credit for yourself from other people. And the other is quietly just doing it. And God sees it. I remember. I remember. He says, no one noticed, but I did. I want to ask something here. If we are generous and we give people things, won't people notice? Yes, they will. If you are in countdown and you pay for other people's groceries, especially if you do it, you know, once in a while, more often, people start to notice. And you walk in there and there's somebody getting their groceries and you're paying with your card or whatever. The staff start to notice. They do. Or if you're at mobile and they see that... that uh, here comes a car, somebody gets out, and then somebody walks around the corner and pays for the petrol from an, you know, with their car parked around the other side. People notice. They do. They do. And if you're generous in your workplace, then employees or workmates or your schoolmates will notice. And there's a, there's a shopkeeper around here who, who has a real heart for the poor, and he helps people out, and he actually contributes to tangies and things like that, the shopkeeper. And, and I can see somebody nodding because I think you know who it is, but he never does it for a fuss. But the word gets around, you see, and you go, oh, he's not very good at keeping it a secret, is he? Okay, I want to tell you this. If you are generous in a small town, people will get to know. So we shouldn't be generous? What do you think? You see, Jesus talks about motivation. What makes you tick? Why are you doing it? Is it to be honoured by men and noticed by them? Many years ago, Murray asked me about this church's finances. He said, I can't understand why the Baptist church hasn't got much money. You've got some people there who are quite well-paid you know, well professionals, and yet the, month, the church never seems to have a whole lot of money in its, in its money box. And I said, ah, you've got to understand Huntley Baptist Church, Murray. This is before you was involved in it. I said, there's a lot of stuff just goes on quietly. You know, money's slipped into people's Bibles on a Sunday. People open their front door and they find groceries on the step. There's all sorts of stuff goes on. If you look, you'll see people giving each other's vegetables and baking. But behind the scenes, underneath the surface, there's all sorts of heavy-duty giving is going on. But nobody makes a fuss and nobody knows what's going on. So it never goes through the church's books. If one of those people is given to you, you have no idea of what else they've done. You really don't. Colin Prentice was the CEO of World Vision for some years, and he was also one of New Zealand's best-known educators. He lived in Huntley for a little while, and he says that what he remembers about Huntley is the bucket of peaches. And you're thinking, what? Well, they moved into Huntley, into their new house, and in the morning he gets up, he opens the front door, and there is a bucket of peaches. Who put it there? I don't know. He didn't know. But when he remembers Huntley, Huntley bucket of peaches, because we're that kind of a town, aren't we? Who gave the peaches? I don't know, but I can be pretty sure they weren't doing it for the honour of men, because nobody knew they had. But God noticed. If it was you, thanks. Colin really appreciated it. You know, sometimes I look at Christian fundraising. Have you, the word telethon used to be on, is, do you still understand what that means? I I. We never had a television, but you go on TV and you say, right, we're trying to raise some money here tonight. And we've just had a note that the McMinn family from Huntley has just, just donated $150. Yay! And oh, something's just come in here. And uh, the Shaw family from Topiri, oh, they've, they've just given us $400. Yay! And it's, there's ribbons across the bottom, aren't there? Uh, you know, the, the, um, Mary just gave $20 and Janet just gave... Does this happen? I've, I've not had a TV. It doesn't, but it used to, eh? 
But I've, I thought that they actually used to have some Christian fundraisers like that as well. I want to tell you that I, this is Jeremy, yes? They do, okay. I want to tell you, this is Jeremy talking, all right? Jeremy looking at that goes, does that really stack up with what Jesus says? I'm uneasy with it. I Personally, I wouldn't have a part of that, but not for me to judge, all right? This is Jeremy. Jesus didn't specifically address telephones. And uh, my friend... My friend was a Christian, and he used to be, and he had a fundraising company. I said, oh, so you go in and you have, what, you have cake stools and raffles and stuff. No, 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 no. He said, not like that. I go to a church like this, and I say, right, we need to build a new aircraft hangar, whatever it is, and it's going to cost this much, whatever it is. And so this is what I want. I want four people who will give $25,000. And everybody sits there a bit shocked, and somebody says, I will. I'll give $25,000. That's good, isn't it? This brother's giving $25,000. I'll see you later, bro. And we need 10 people who give $10,000. And we need 40 people who give $5,000, blah, blah, blah. And that's how they do it, you see. Now, Mr. $25,000, he says, look, this is what I want you to do. Go and see your friends and say, look, I'm giving $25,000, so I want you to as well. Now, this was a Christian fundraising company, and it never set well with me, but I'm talking about me. And that's what I said. If I say something, you can think about whether that's for you. But the whole fundraising thing that goes, ta-da, I gave this money, so what about you? Mm, I think Jesus was talking about that. What would Jesus say? I watched an American, as I say, we've not had a television, but one day I was at someone's house and there was an American preacher on the television. He used to go on often doing these things. And, and it's the only time I've ever seen this particular uh, American preacher, but he said this. He was in a great big auditorium with thousands of people, and he had a book, and he's holding up the book. He says, this is a book I wrote. You will not find this book in any store. It's sold out. But I am going to give this book to your church. And everyone goes, yeah! And I'm going, what? He's a multimillionaire preacher, and he's giving them a book? Big deal. But the, 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 the point was that he's making such a big deal of it drama this i watched perhaps five minutes of this and the, the, the man the, his show was a lot there was a lot of drama a lot of falling over and a lot of yelling and throwing things and it was a very dramatic thing but some people found it really good they used to watch it every day i think before they went to work well all right each to his own back to jesus seven sermon and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites you remember what hypocrites are actors do not be like the actors for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men truly i tell you they already have their full reward what is it what's their reward yep they wanted to impress people and they did shot finished that's all truly i tell you they already have their full reward but when you pray go to your inner room shut your door and pray to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Does that mean we shouldn't meet to pray? No, it doesn't. We should meet to pray. Listen to this extract from Acts chapter 4. When the believers heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with complete boldness as you stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And that was pretty big prayer meeting 
But once again, it's the motivation. They weren't praying to be seen and to show off. God likes it when we meet to pray. By the way, we meet in that room every Thursday night, 7 o'clock, and we pray. It's cool. I approve of it. I think God likes it too. We don't even shut the door. Jesus didn't even have a literal inner room with a door himself. He didn't even have a house. Once again, this is figurative language. It's talking about not showing off. It's talking about it's your business between you and God. After they had prayed, their meeting place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Well, I suggest to you that that means God didn't mind that they'd had the prayer meeting. In fact, I think he quite liked it. Does Jesus mean we shouldn't pray with unbelievers? I say no. I say try praying with unbelievers and see what happens and make up your own mind and then tell us about it in testimony time. I'll leave that one with you. Let's get back to Jesus' sermon. And when you pray, do not babble on like pagans, for they think that by their many words they will be heard. You see, the pagans had many words that they learned to do certain things. We could use the word incantations. They were powerful words that had an effect, a spiritual strength. Eye of newt and leg of toad, fire burn and cauldron bubble. You see, they learned these spells. Abracadabraca. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah. Tim, tam, willa, walla, bing, bang. The words had power in themselves. Sorry if anybody's offended by me saying pagan spells in church. But the words had, had, had a power, and they were believed that if you said the words right, there'd be a sort of a magical effect. Jesus says, don't babble on like pagans because they think by their many words they will be heard. There's a word that you might know, and it's karakia. Karakia is an ancient Maori um, tradition, and there'd be karakia to learn for certain things. If you cut down a mighty tree, there's a specific karakia that you say as you do that to either appease the spirits of the tree or keep on side with the spiritual powers. If you... Very, even when you cut a bit of flax and so on, you know, there's karakia to say when you do it. And the karakia itself has power. That was pagan, Jesus says. Don't just learn those many, many words. And uh, I'm not an expert in the Maori language, but I'm pretty good at English. And I think that the best translation of the word karakia is incantation. And actually, I looked it up. I was interested that the, uh, the dictionary agreed with me. So what's the Māori word for pray? Inoi. Inoi literally means pray. And then when you hear me say, kia inoi tato, that means let's pray. It's not because I've got lots of clever words to say that I've learned from my ancestors. It's because we're coming simply to God and we're talking to him. If you're a Catholic, you might go to confession and the priest might say to you, you say, I have sinned, Father. What did you do? You tell him. He says, right, go away and say three Hail Marys. So you go away and you say this. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And then you end up, the prayer goes on for a little while, and then it ends up by saying, Mary, pray for us, sinners. Do you ask Mary to pray for you? I don't either. Because the Bible says we've got a high priest, his name is Jesus. He stands before the Father all the time, and he'll take our prayers. The Bible actually says Jesus prays for us. 
Okay, that's good enough for me. I won't ask anyone else to do it. But the point I want to make about the Hail Mary is that some people, not all, some people think that those words in the prayer have a power of their own. That by saying Hail Mary, the prayer, the full prayer, and it's not a very long one, three times through, it kind of has a magical cleansing effect on the person who says it. Some Catholics don't believe that, I'll tell you. And some priests don't believe that, but some do. If you believe that, then that's an incantation. It's a set of powerful words that you think will have a magical effect. Jesus says this, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So then, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We pray simple prayers, because it's not about our cleverness, it's about God's goodness. If I started praying, O thou who did span the heavens, grant unto thy people gathered here today, we beseech thee, you could be pretty sure that I'm showing off to you, not trying to get through to God. So I'll try not to do it again, sorry. But we pray simple prayers, don't we? Trevor Yaxley had a son called Marky, and Marky had Down syndrome. If you listened to Marky talking, you wouldn't really be able to understand it very well. He was very severely affected. But Marky used to pray. And one day, somebody was in a, in a social gathering just talking to, to Marky's father. And Marky came up behind her, slapped his fingers on her neck and said, Me pray! <laughs> and the lady went, ah, 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 and, and Trevor said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, Marky, you shouldn't have done that morally. He was mortified. And the lady says, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And she'd had a very, very painful and severe jaw condition that couldn't be healed by medicine. And Marky, by this stage, was off over there. He'd totally forgotten about it. He didn't have the brain power to carry the thought for a minute. Another time, Trevor and Jan were, were counselling a couple whose marriage was right at the end of its tenure. They did not get along. And this couple have been fighting and they decided to get divorced. They're sitting on the sofa and they're talking about it. And Marky comes up behind and he says, Me pray! And Trevor said, No, no, go away, Marky. We're talking grown-up stuff. He says, and they, the couple said, No, we don't mind. He can pray for us if he wants. So he came along. Once again, grabbed both their heads and said something absolutely nobody knew what on earth he was saying. And this couple fell off the sofa onto the floor on their faces and they wept and they wept. And the hurt and the heartache and the bitterness was just poured out as God supremely healed their marriage at that moment. Is it about our cleverness? I've got to be honest, Marky was not very clever. You see, it's about God's goodness and about our faith. Simple prayers work. I walk into a home and I say this. E to mato matuitirangi. Ho mai kia matau tenai ra. Te mohio, te kaha, me te aroha. Amen. That's a simple prayer. It acknowledges our Father in heaven. It asks Him to give us the knowledge and the strength and the love that we need. And that's about it, really, isn't it? Simple. But in that, in that home, I see something start to happen. Just that simple prayer unlocks something. People begin to warm. Bridges are built between middle-class immigrant English Jeremy and people who are totally different in their culture and background. 
Because God can bridge that gap, like Murray said. Who? Murray, he's here. Oh, Marky, I don't even know. He is? Okay. Yeah. I want to ask you a question that you might be wondering about. And you might ask Jesus this. But Jesus, when we're open about our Christianity, we don't always seem to get the praise of men. Aren't we hassled? Aren't we ridiculed? Aren't we put down? Aren't we attacked on Facebook? Aren't we attacked physically? Yep, sometimes we are. We used to hear about Christians being persecuted in communist or Muslim countries. But listen to what's happening now in what we always thought were free countries. David, this is number one. David McConnell was arrested in Yorkshire, UK for a hate-related public order offence and held in police custody for about six hours simply for sharing the gospel. Thankfully, McConnell was released without charge and West Yorkshire police admitted that they had acted unlawfully. Number two, a bus driver was arrested for reading parts of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, that's today's text, outside St. Paul's Cathedral in London due to staff complaining to police. Number three, an MP, a member of British Parliament, has called for religious liberty to be protected in the UK. Isabel Vaughan Spruce was arrested for breaching a policy in Birmingham that pro prohibits protests near abortion clinics. This is the words of the, the man in Parliament, because at least in Britain they can bring it up in Parliament. Isabel Vaughan Spruce was praying silently outside an abortion clinic in Birmingham when she was arrested and questioned, not about her written or spoken words, but her thoughts. She was standing there silently, and a policeman came up to her and said, Are you praying? And she said yes, so he arrested her. Number four, it is with great sadness we have to announce that our beloved Chrissy has been killed, along with his colleague Andrew Bagshaw, whilst attempting a humanitarian evacuation from Solidor, eastern Ukraine, his family said. His selfless determination in helping the old, young and disadvantaged there has made us and his larger family extremely proud. Those two young men joined the huge and growing list of martyrs who've gone to the most, from the most comfortable and safe places to the most dangerous places to help people in desperate need, to take food to the hungry, to rescue people caught in the middle of a war that has got nothing to do with them. And you will read the news and you will know that the list of martyrs growing like that, aid workers who are killed because they wanted to help, is growing and growing and growing. Number five. First Liberty Legal is an American company. It's a law firm that does nothing but religious liberty cases. They are not the only law firm that does that, but I think they are the biggest. They employ 31 lawyers. They do nothing but religious freedom cases in the USA, the land of the free. They win 90% of the time. And here's why. Because in the US, the law guarantees religious freedom. The Constitution does. So of course they win. So why are these people being arrested anyway? Because the government doesn't always obey the law. What about in Britain? Don't people have religious freedom there? Yep. And that's why every time the police arrest someone in Britain for being a Christian, they have to let them go because they get off. The judge lets them go because guaranteed in Britain is the right to be a Christian. And what about in New Zealand? Don't we have a Bill of Rights that guarantees us religious freedom? Yes, we do, but we do not have a law that says the government has to obey the Bill of Rights. If the government wants to make a new law that disobeys the Bill of Rights, they are allowed to do it. They just have to note on the law, this breaches the Bill of Rights. 
But doesn't the Treaty of Waitangi guarantee religious freedom? Yes, in what's sometimes called Article 4 of the treaty, which wasn't written uh, before the meeting, Article 4 guaranteed the right of religious freedom in New Zealand to all citizens, all the people of this country. But as you know, the Treaty of Waitangi not only has never been really passed into law, but when the government tries to say all new laws must meet the Treaty of Waitangi, they have an interpretation of the treaty which isn't actually what it said. So the government can twist that, that treaty. I commend to you, if you haven't already, to read the treaty and have a think about it. And what about New Zealand? There are stories in this church where people have been persecuted in this town for being Christians. They've been hounded, they've been harassed, uh, they've been slandered, which means bad stories that aren't true have been told about them. They've been, they've been pressured to leave jobs and so on. And uh, you will find that this happens in New Zealand too. The New Zealand media is not as free to report it as the British and American media are because our media is much more government controlled. It's, it's paid off by the government. So should we stay quiet? Should we operate secretly underground? Should we? Did Jesus? Nope. Did Peter? Did Paul? Did the woman of Samaria? Nope. She went around the whole town and blabbed everyone. You see... It's the motivation that counts. We don't do Christian stuff to impress people. If you go to WINS to help people, to be an advocate for people, the WINS staff will get to know you. If you go to court to back people up when they're going through a very difficult time, the court staff will get to know you. But that's not why we go. It's just how it is. So how does it all end up? Do we get New Year's honour? Queen's Service Medal? Do we get a big funeral with nice words? Yep, we might. And you look at when the New Year's honours are given out, sometimes they're given to people who've tirelessly worked for the good of others. Good. But equally, you might be arrested or you might be slandered. Have you ever heard of the poem, Do It Anyway? It was written by a man called Dr. Kent Keith, but it's mainly famous because it was written on the wall of Mother Teresa's children's home. And this is part of the poem. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Let's finish with the words of Jesus. And your father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.